Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Tool Center, proudly WA owned and operated for over 40 years. This is the Drive Show with Peter Vlahos. Yeah, great to have your company this morning, uh, this afternoon, I should say. Uh, welcome to Drive with Peter Vlahos on this uh, Monday, all thanks to Toolmart, the complete tool center. And what everybody is talking about today, for mine, is what we experienced from afar last night at the MCG. The big daddy of all cricket contests for mine. What a match that was. It delivered in spades, didn't it? Unbelievable start. Controversial catch. That wasn't a catch in the end. A Pakistan batting collapse. A stunning resurrection. And a deafening Coley chant which took the grandstand foundations there at the MCG as the former Indian captain muscled his team to victory from nowhere with what was a brilliant 82 not out. And we're going to go to India shortly and speak to the editor of Wisdom in India and speak about uh, the ramifications of that. And what I'd like you to get involved with for me is that Australian broadcasters last night were calling that game. You know, Jared Waitley from SEN. And Jared said in the SEN network call that he's never, ever experienced an atmosphere like that in his broadcasting career. And he's called many an AFL grand final. It pales into insignificance, the passion, the noise, the emotional nature of that crowd last night. They came there, that is the Indian and Pakistani fans, basically on the wave of emotion. They were so invested in that game. It was just amazing. So what I'd like to ask you, because push the AFL aside, there's no comparison to what we experienced last night at the MCG. 90,000 people where the noise was just unbelievable is on the temperate bedshed text line 0487 736736. Tell me when you've been to a sporting event, and primarily it probably would have been overseas, you'd think, where you may have experienced something like we saw last night. I would love to have been there. And I said to some colleagues today, even if you may not have been a cricket aficionado, there was enough in that telecast last night to keep you interested. You know, the colour of the crowd, what was going on. You know, the audience biting their nails, sitting on the edge of their seats. It was just phenomenal to watch. All on the back end of what was one of the great T20 innings of all time by the foreman, former Indian skipper in Virat Kohli. 82 not out and many saying it's the best knock of his career. Now as bowls, Coley's out of his crease, long down the ground, a six round. 
There's a grace in the way that Virat Kohli does it. Some, it's all muscle and impulse. Not with Virat Kohli. Freedy bowls, Kohli, bang, over five leap for four. Down too ball. clever, too good. Virat Kohli has made this possible for India. 28 off eight. Kohli's got to find a boundary against Ralph. Kohli stands his ground, straight down the ground. He lifted it up. That is a shot of an emperor. A straight six down the ground. To the back, cloaking on the seats. 22 off seven. Ralph in and at him. Kohli lifts it up to five lead. It carries for six. The man is a genius. He's not just a king. He's a genius. Back-to-back -back sixes. India needs 16 to win off the last over. Hours is throwing them in hard. He bowls. Full tops. Kohli got him up. Out to mid-wicket. And while Ashwin strikes the winning blow, it is King Kohli who reigns in Melbourne. Virat Kohli with the most masterful chase. 82 runs from 53 balls to reprise his greatest of hits. I honestly have no words. I have no idea how that happened. I was kind of pumping myself up to hit two sixes when we needed 28 of eight. And that became 16 of 6. And uh, now standing here, I just feel like this was meant to be. I mean, it, it's it's a very, very special moment. Till today, I've always said Mohali was my best innings against Australia. I got 82 of 52. Today, I got 82 of 53. So they're absolute. <laughs> they are exactly the same innings. But I think today, I will count this one higher because of the magnitude of the game and what the situation was. It seemed impossible, but then it just happened. Oh, just amazing. What about the atmosphere? The atmosphere was just electric. And I can just imagine what was happening back on the subcontinent in the big populous cities of New Delhi and Kolkata and those sort of players, Chennai. We're going to the south of India now. We're going to speak to Dilip Primachandran, the editor of Wisdom in India. Dilip, thanks for joining us here on SENWA. Uh, my pleasure is always, Peter. What was the atmosphere like in India last night? I'd say that everybody, everybody in the one billion plus population would have been in some ways connected to that match at the MCG last night. For, for sure. I mean, even people who never talk about cricket the rest of the year, uh, they were suddenly tweeting about it or mentioning it on social media because everyone just caught up, got caught up in how improbable the whole thing was. You know, with, with three overs to go, India were nowhere in that game. And then suddenly this one person comes in and not comes in, I mean, he was there from the start, but he just pulls it off and it was incredible. And I think being at the MCG just made it all that more special. When you look at some of the gods, if we can term it that way, of Indian cricket, we had Sachin Tendulkar, of course, that before that there was Kapil Dev, and now you've got Virat Kohli. Where do you think he rates in relation to cricket greatness in your cricket-mad country after what he produced last night? Oh, he, he's right up there. I, I don't think he would uh, appreciate the comparison with uh, Sachin himself because Sachin was his big hero growing up, but he's right up there. Uh, in the big games especially, I mean, Kohli's won a World Cup uh, already. 
and uh, he's taken India to the number one ranking in test cricket. Uh, he has an amazing record across formats. Uh, and it's just a personality as well. It brings people to the ground, and that's what you need in sport, right? I mean, you need your David Campeses and your Shane Warns and your guys like that to, to bring the crowds in. And he's very much in that uh, category of people. We know that Eden Gardens in Kolkata holds, I think, in excess of 100,000 people. And here we are in a country like Australia. The MCG is our biggest stadium here and always full of Indian and Pakistani followers. 90,000 people. Uh, what were you thinking when you were watching the contest? Oh, I was just thinking I should have been there because it just the atmosphere just looked incredible. The players kept talking about it afterwards as well. I think from both sides, I mean, they, they felt that the support was like unlike anything they'd ever seen in their lives. And that's saying something. And some of them have played in the big stadiums in India and in Pakistan as well. Uh, it just seemed an absolutely incredible atmosphere. And what I must point out, too, was that it seemed a, a pleasant atmosphere, which is in contrast to the general mood between the two countries right now. So that was really good to see as well. It was, and I noticed that, actually, where you had, of course, Indian supporters basically shoulder-to-shoulder shoulder with Pakistani supporters. But saying that, let's go back to the history. These two, when it comes to sport and even other areas of politics and whatever, are bitter rivals, aren't they? They are, but you'd be surprised how well the players get on off the field. I mean, this has been the case for over 50 years. You talk to somebody like Sunil Gavaskar, he will tell you that some of my closest friends in cricket are Pakistani players. And uh, you look at the mutual respect between Kohli and some of the Pakistani players before and after the game. And that's not for, for public consumption. It's, it's really there. So uh, you, I think you have to sort of separate the, the posturing between the two governments and the actual relationship between the two sets of players. That's always been fairly cordial. So why is cricket such a emotive, passionate game in a country of about 1.4 billion people? It appears when you go to India, and I've been to India, everybody wants to talk cricket. Uh, well, I think the, the simple answer is that it's the it's one uh, global sport in which India has been truly competitive. I mean, our soccer team has never made it to the World Cup. We don't have a rugby team to speak of. Uh, individual sports, we've had some championship, but that never gives you the same uh, sort of buzz in a stadium as a team sport does. I mean, you would know being in Australia with uh, the rugby union team having been world champions, uh, a fabulous rugby league team, the soccer is having made it to the World Cup. So when you have a, uh, many sports competing for space, it's different. Whereas in India, it's like uh, cricket is out ahead as the number one sport. But saying that, it's uh, an easy sport to play. Like for young children, uh, they can just find something that resembles a bat and they can put together a ball and, and play cricket because there are some impoverished areas of India, as we know. But even young people in those areas can have a game of cricket, can't they? Yeah, they can. And and it's uh, and for so many generations now, cricket has been a ticket out of that uh, poverty for a lot of people. Uh, even if they don't necessarily make it to the Indian team, just playing for a state side or for uh, an organizational side uh, just puts food on the table. And there are so many stories like that. 
even within this Indian team, you'll find uh, players who have come from. I mean, Kohli himself is a great example. He didn't. Uh, he wasn't born with a silver spoon. It was his dad who passed away when he was 18, who kept uh, taking him to the coaches when he was nine years old. And uh, it started from there. So there are so many stories like that of, of kids who have uh, not come from the most advantageous backgrounds and, and made it big. We know that the movie industry is significant in India with Bollywood, but where are the likes of Kohli, uh, of course, MS Dhoni, are these sort of players... Uh, uh, Sachin Tendulkar, where are they revered? Are they very much superstar status, along, of course, with the Bollywood actors that are so, so popular over there? I'd say they'd be uh, on a different level to the Bollywood actors because Bollywood has a following mostly in, in the Hindi-speaking areas of the country, whereas uh, where I am right now in the South, not everyone speaks Hindi. But I can guarantee that if you come to any part of India, people would have heard of Sachin. They would know of his career record. They would know that Dhoni won a World Cup. They would know what Virat Kohli did yesterday. So, I mean, I think the following that cricket has is totally uh, pan-Indian. It's every single part of India, people just follow it. And in a way that even the movies can't reach. Mm. Interesting last night, the Indian captain, Rohit Sharma, described the innings of uh, Virat Kohli as his best for India, and he was personally lost for words after the result. What are they saying back in India? Is this Kohli's finest moment last night? In a T20 shirt, for sure, because I, I think till now we kept talking about the knock against Australia in 2016, where which was equally amazing, but that, A, that was on home soil, uh, and it wasn't uh, against Pakistan, where, where immediately the pressure goes up 10 notches because you, you can't lose. I mean, that's the expectation from home. Nobody likes losing to Australia, but it's accepted more gracefully than a loss to Pakistan would be. So uh, in that sense, uh, I think he himself would say it's probably his best. Mm. Certainly one of the real up-and-coming players is... Fast bowler Ashdeep Singh, who took three for 32 last night in only his 14th T20 international. Certainly the Sikh population in there in India would have been delighted with the way this young cricketer is coming on. Oh, yes. I mean, he, he, got, he copped a lot of abuse a couple of months ago uh, for dropping a catch against Pakistan. Actually, there was an Asia Cup tournament a couple of months ago. He dropped a catch. Pakistan won a close game. And you know how social media reacts to these things. He, he got a heap of abuse. But thankfully, the team stuck by him. They said, you know, we're, we're not giving up on this guy. We, we think he has potential. And, and you know the thing with, with left armers, I mean, well, Mitchell Stark has done it for years for Australia. I mean, they just give you a, a completely different angle of attack, a different option. And especially if you're as accurate as Ashdeep is at his young age, then it's, it's a massive bonus to have in the side. Just having a look at India, if they do take off the ICC T20 World Cup, that country will go mad, won't it? It will, but there's a, but let, let's say there's a long way to go. They have to play South African first, which is a, a big test. That South African face bowling attack on, on that first pitch. And, and then there are England and Australia and New Zealand and the other group as well. And Sri Lanka. No, I, I don't think anyone should be writing off the Sri Lankans. 
because they've really come on leaps and bounds in the last few months. Yeah, well, I'm I think there's a lot of cricket left to be played. There is, there is. And I'm looking forward to actually calling the game between India and South Africa here at the Optus Stadium on Sunday, the second game of the doubleheader. So, Dalip, as we let you go, you would have watched the match last night. Deep down inside, did you feel that India would get up? No, I honestly didn't. I mean, for a 48 to get, I think after last year, I thought, okay, even if it's Kohli out there, this isn't happening. And I say that with the greatest respect for his ability, but simply because Pakistan is such a good bowling side. I mean, you look at what happened in the second last over, the, the straight six of Harris Ralph. I mean, Harris Ralph is one of the fastest bowlers in the world. Mm. And he just made him look like some medium-paced trundler and hit it back over his head. In those kind of shots, you... You can't even imagine playing. Forget going out there in the middle of uh, 90,000 people and pulling it off with the game on the line. That was just incredible. It was. And what a final over. Two wickets, two wides, no ball, a wicket off a free hit that went for three runs. And, of course, and 20 runs, a third highest crowd for also for a cricket match at the MCG. It just had all the ingredients. Thanks for joining us uh, very much indeed, uh, Dilip uh, Premachadran, the editor of Wisden India here on Drive with Peter Vlahos. Great to have a chat to him. Gee, what a match last night. Again, throw it out to you. I would love to have been there just as a spectator. No doubt calling it would have been exciting, but to be as a spectator amongst it, imagine the people that would have been looking around to see the colour and the activity that was going on. Have you been to a sporting contest similar to what we experienced last night at the MCG. If you have, love to hear from you. 0487 736 736 is the temper bedshed text machine. Love to hear from you. Uh, or you can give us a call on the Scarborough Toyota open line 13 12 55. I was there today. Scarborough Toyota in Scarborough Beach Road in Osmond Park. They buy all makes and models. And go and see Ben Dalgleish and the team. We'll take a break. Come back with a moment, uh, with more in a moment. Drive with Peter Vlas. All thanks to Toolmart, the complete tool centre. Toolmart, your complete tool centre. Proudly WA owned and operated for over 40 years. This is the Drive Show with Peter Vlahos. Yeah, it's great to have your company on this Monday. Hope you had a great weekend. Uh, for tyre power by three. And get one free on selected Kumo passenger car and SUV tyres at Tyre Power. Just updating the World Cup. Uh, in the earlier game, a win to Bangladesh over the Netherlands. Uh, Bangladesh batted first and made eight for 144 off their 20 overs. And the Netherlands, in reply, could muster up very competitive, but just fell short, 135 all out in the final over. Uh, Colin Ackerman actually made 62 off 48 balls for the Netherlands. And the man of the match was uh, Taskin Ahmed, who took four for 25 off four overs. Now, the other game that was due to follow has uh, been delayed by rain, and that is the match between Zimbabwe and South Africa. Uh, that is at Bloodstone Arena down there in Tasmania. Of course, it rains in that part of the world. But anyway, that's been delayed by rain. Zimbabwe against South Africa. Hopefully, it'll start uh, very soon. Let's go to the Scarborough Toyota open line. You can call anytime. 13 12 55. Hello, Lise. How are you going? Yeah, good. Thanks, Pete. I hope you had a good weekend. Yeah, very nice. Yours? 
Um, yeah, no, it was good. I was just telling Jimmy, I um, after I did, did all my chores, of course, it was just sport, 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 more yeah. sport. <laughs> no, I tell you what, that match last night, India and Pakistan made my weekend. That was brilliant. Oh, Peter, you, you've described that game last night absolutely wonderfully, just beautifully put by you. You know, um, on on the ground and in the and the crowd was just absolutely amazing. They, they I just love watching um, India and Pakistan play. Their crowd is just you know they're just unbelievable and the and the passion that they've got for you know for their teams is is just incredible. And um, it had everything, didn't it, that game? And um, Coley, well, I think he, he'd have to be the, the best batsman around, I think. Well, he's just a bit of a superhero with what he displayed last on The fact that the game went down to the last ball of the match, uh, uh, it was such an intriguing. And what I liked about it, there was ebbs and flows for both nations. And, and as I said, they're all there in their colours. They're just replaying it a bit on Fox now because of that rain delay in the match between Zimbabwe and yeah, South Africa. It. it was just it was just amazing. It really was. I, I thoroughly enjoyed yeah. it. I know Jared Waitley, who called it for SEN, had a brief chat to him this morning. He says he's never experienced anything like it. And of course Jared's called some pretty big events, including multiple AFL grand finals, and he's never ever seen an atmosphere like that at the MCG. So let's hope we see about it. I know there's a big Indian population here in Perth. And a big South African population as well. And let's hope they really come together on Sunday night. I'm looking forward to actually calling that. India and South Africa, 7 o'clock on Sunday night. And I reckon there'll be a healthy crowd here at Optus Stadium as well, Lise. Yeah, I think so. Well, my hairdresser is um, their, their Indian family. And I rang them up after the, after the game last night. And you should have heard the place. <laughs> was, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't hear a thing. They were shouting and you know they were just celebrating and that no it was it was really really good um and pete just um uh, a quick one on ross lyon um that just ha- hasn't happened in the last couple of weeks i've been hearing that this is this, he's been in the pipeline since about august yeah i know i know i said to somebody and i, I don't want people to get upset with me but it's happened twice isn't it you know it's it happened with mark well, harvey exactly and Fremantle and uh yeah. You know, when all of a sudden, uh, you know, what's his name, Bassett comes out and says on October the 14th during a press conference that he's confirming Ratton's sacking, that the club had not spoken to Lyon, and then Lyon reportedly has come out and say they've been speaking for weeks. So there's no question that there's been these clandestine meetings with Ross Lyon and the execs at the St Kilda Footy Club, which led, unfortunately, to the demise of Brett Ratton. There's no to well, me to me it is as plain as day how this has eventuated. Yeah, well, Peter, why give Ratton um, a, a new contract when you know that that he's not going to be there? That's just so cruel. Yeah, yeah, no, to I do just, that. To, to I do that agree, to and, and that's exactly the same thing that happened to Harvey. Yeah, yeah, as you I know, said, Harvey went and had, there was a luncheon or something or breakfast or something, and he was, you know, given the all. You know, the almighty's and everything that is going to be there, and the next thing, gone. Yeah, yeah. And it's interesting that he did confess at the press conference today, Ross Lyon, that he's had several meetings with club officials, Andrew Bassett, the CEO, Simon Lethlian, the football director, Jason Blake, and even the new general manager of football, Jeff Walsh. Now, he would have met with Walsh, I reckon, pretty early. Pretty early. And, of course... Brett Ratton was still in the uh, coach's position at that point in time. These meetings didn't just happen the last few days. They've been going on for a while. And uh, I feel sorry for Brett Ratton, and he'd probably be feeling like Mark Harvey's feeling at the moment because halves, I tell you what, he's still getting over what transpired all those years ago 
at the Frio Footy Club. Good on you, Lise. Thanks for the call. I really appreciate you. And thanks for listening on the program uh, very much. I appreciate your support. Good on you. Lisa there from Ellenbrook joining us on the program. It's uh, 27 past five. Uh, just quickly, we'll get to Ross Lyon a bit later on because he did conduct a press conference today and he did speak about why he had a change of heart and has come back and decided to coach, what his expectations are for St Kilda in 2023 and also is asked about his relationship with Jeff Walsh, who's overseeing, as we know, the football department. He's the general manager of football. We're going to feature that a bit later on. But I want to get my teeth into the netball scenario. Amazing. Certainly on court, the fact that the Australian Diamonds in the end won the Constellation Cup and came from two matches down, losing the first two in New Zealand to actually take out the Constellation Cup. But also uh, the toing and froing regarding the loss of that $15 million sponsorship. A lady that played just under 100 times for the Australian Diamonds in a celebrated career of nearly a decade is Nat Medhurst. He joins, she joins me next here on the program. Toolma, your complete tool centre. Proudly WA owned and operated for over 40 years. This is The Drive Show with Peter Vlahos. Doing all right. Yes, over a decade uh, representing this country on the netball court. Nat Methurst played just under 90 times for the Australian Diamonds. And she joins me on the, the Drive program on this Monday. Nat, thanks for your time. Absolute pleasure, Peter. I got your text. Are you inviting me over for dinner, are you? <laughs> That's an in-joke. Sure, why not? <laughs> it's an in-joke, so I apologise to our listeners. Uh, Nat, uh, unbelievable. This is like a boxing match, what's transpired over the last few days. But let's go firstly on court. What a great comeback by the Diamonds after going two zip down against the Silver Ferns to finally take out the Constellation Cup. That was a huge form reversal. Oh, absolutely. And um, they started very shaky over in New Zealand. And I guess for a few of the players, it had been um, their first time stepping out into New Zealand territory playing for the Australian Diamonds, which can be very, very intimidating. But as you said, they really turned it around Which once they got on home soil. And it had been a, an incredibly long time. I think it was over a 1,000 days since they'd last played in Australia, um, and they really gave the fans something to be excited about. And last night, they had a very slow start. It wasn't looking pretty at halftime. Um, and their second half of netball was, um, yeah, very impressive. Mm -hmm. And considering what's been happening around the team and around netball, uh, as I said, there could have been some external factors which may have uh, affected some of the players. It didn't seem that was the case last night. No, not at all. And I think they've responded beautifully to everything. As you said, that has been going on. It's kind of hard to ignore. And I'm sure they would have locked down things around the team, but they would have certainly been aware of, I guess, all the commentary. Um, I think some of the quite disgusting and unfair comments that have been directed at the playing group. And so their ability to really band together and to be incredibly, I would say, resilient on the back of everything that has happened. Um, and how everything has been unfolded is a testament to the playing group, but also to the coaching staff in terms of what they've um, done with the playing group and, and how they've been able to keep them focused to 
um, reclaim the Constellation Cup. So you're saying you're, you're tipping your hat to Stacey Marinkovic, the fact that she's kept the focus of the players, what they've needed to do, and they've gone out and done it. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, she walked into coaching this team with a lot of, um, I guess, criticism and eyebrows raised around her appointment. Um, but I think it shows the character of her and um, obviously what she's doing with this playing group and what she wants to see from them. Um, and, yeah, as I said, it is it's a credit to her and assistant coach Nicole Richardson and just making sure that they are doing what they can and ultimately that is performing well. And um, they've certainly done that. You played in some great Diamonds outfits. Is this team now evolving and how do you think it will evolve going forward? Yeah, it's definitely evolving for sure, I think. Um, you know, we had a conversation on our show um, with Gretel Buetta about um, her not being available for these series. We've seen Stacey uh, Marinkovic debut some young young players as well um, and that's going to continue in this upcoming series. I've now got three test matches coming up against the England Roses and there's a, a new team that's been selected to be involved in that. So we'll see some new faces and um, I think on the back of the Commonwealth Games, Marinkovic will know players that I think she feels quite comfortable with, but she has to certainly keep her options open as we said, you know, Buetta's not there, um, whether or not she'll be there for the World Cup, which is in the middle of next year, is still to be exactly known. So, um, yeah, it is an involving group and I think it's going to continue to take shape, particularly mm. this series, but also early next year when they've got some more test matches to play. Everyone's having a say in what's happening uh, off court and even Australian politicians like Jacinta Price has taken aim at selfish athletes in the wake of, of course, Netball Australia being thrown into turmoil. Um, now, you would take the players' perspective. Have they been selfish? Uh, have some of them been selfish? And I, I know that the Indigenous star, Danielle Wallam, who comes from Harvey, uh, has been caught in all this and uh, there's been speculation where she was happy to wear the so-called badge supporting Hancock uh, prospecting. But at the moment, it's pretty muddy, isn't it? Oh, muddy is um, certainly a word you can use. It's, it's an absolute um, car wreck, everything that's unfolded. And, you know, this has somehow all played out in the media. I don't actually know how on earth it has gotten to this point with the media, but the players are absolutely not being selfish. You know, I've been a part of... That playing in um, that playing group and that environment and that culture that they have always wanted to instill. And I think, you know, a player to speak up. She, at the end of the day, she sought an exemption for herself, um, and ultimately that was um, what they were looking to do. Um, and from my understanding as well, at the end of the day, Netball Australian Hancock said, "Well, no, we're not going to give you a personal exemption," which is really disappointing, um, given as well Netball Australia's commitment to. Um, indigenous, the Indigenous community and pathways and everything in, in Netball, their declaration towards that only a mere two years ago. And, you know, we've seen what's happened in Hawthorne in this space as well. So I think the commentary around this, um, the context has completely been taken out of hand um, and the playing group for my end are not selfish at all. They never have been. Um, and, yeah, as I said, it's just really disappointing how this is and the relationship between Netball Australia and the playing group needs to get back somehow on the same page um, and have some form of respect because at the moment it's completely gone and no one's winning. Yeah, no, and even the West Coast Fever Chief Executive, Simone Hanson, has uh, made uh, a comment as well. And 
She hopes that the fallout from Gina Reinhardt's decision to withdraw funding from Australian netball, uh, she thinks it may maybe even dissuade future sponsors from investing in the sport. Do you think that's the case or do you think it's a horses for courses situation, really? I think it's a horses for courses situation, but I don't think from my end, sponsors are going to want to get involved at the end of the day with an organisation where there is so much fracture. Um, and that's, that is ultimately at the at the back end of all of this and what the real crux of the problem is. This I think issues have been brewing between the two parties for a, few, a couple of years now and it's sort of just been chipping away. There's been sort of one thing after the other and it was always going to, dare I say, it sort of come to this. And I think the way it's obviously played out has not been great at all. Um, but these two parties, they really do need to work it out in order to actually salvage something. And so it doesn't have, you know, a bigger impact than what it already is having. And as you said, you've got to feel for West Coast fever um, to be caught up in all these complete innocent bystanders is um, is really poor because then that affects that those relationships as well with clubs and Netball Australia and clubs in the playing group, which we just don't need. Mm. And, of course, uh, Donnell will be playing for the Diamonds in this series against England. Do you reckon the players will certainly wrap their arms around her to make sure she's OK? Oh, absolutely. And she's been actually with the playing group um, these past few days up in Queensland where they've been um, training and she's been a part of that environment. She's um, plays up there for the Queensland Firebirds. So, yeah, they've certainly been rallying around her and, um, you know, trying to give her a lot of support. Um, and she'll certainly need to continue that, or they'll need to continue giving her that, um, particularly for this upcoming series. And I'm really looking forward to seeing her play. I really hope she does make her debut. She'll be the third Indigenous player to do that. Um, and I really hope she gets the support from the wider community as well because she doesn't, doesn't deserve anything less. Well done, Nat. Thanks for that. Uh, I'll let you get back to the family. And uh, <laughs> enjoy the holiday as well. You won't be with me for the next two Saturday mornings on the uh, Ladbrokes Lounge. But uh, enjoy the holiday. Uh, you richly deserve it. And we'll see you when you get back with all the stories. Woody, thanks so much, Peter. Good on you. Nat Medhurst joining us here on the program. And uh, as I said, she's uh, having a bit of a holiday down there in the land of the long white cloud. Certainly some interesting uh, takes. And, of course, she gives her opinion, which is fantastic, uh, regarding what's transpired. Very much supports the players. And uh, she feels that there's a bit of a divide between the administrators and the players at this point in time. Not forgetting the Perth Wildcats. If you want to catch their next home game, uh, get behind the Perth Wildcats this season and you can purchase your tickets now. Head to tickettech.com.au. Have a look at their fixtures coming up and buy a couple of tickets and uh, maybe even take the family along to see the Wildcats in all their glory. And I reckon they'll bounce back after what was a disappointing weekend away to the Tasmanian Jack Jumpers. You're with Peter Vlahos. It is Drive. You can join us anytime on the Tempera Bedshed text line 0487 736 736. We're here for Toolmart, where you get the right tool from the start. Toolmart, your complete tool centre. Proudly WA owned and operated for over 40 years. This is The Drive Show with Peter Vlahos. Yes, you can join us on the Temperate Bedchair text line 0487 736 uh, 736. Got me thinking, actually, I was just during that break thinking about the India-Pakistan match uh, and uh, the fanaticism and the passion 
and emotive investment by fans into their national cricket team. And, of course, tomorrow night here at Optus Stadium, Australia take on Sri Lanka, gets underway at 7 o'clock, and you can hear it on the SEN network. Tim Gossage and Brad Hogg will broadcast that for you. But with what's happened with Pat Cummings, of course, coming out last week and doing what he said about Alinta Gas and uh, Alinta Energy, I should say, uh, again, getting into maybe a part of uh, the area that maybe players shouldn't maybe dip their toe into the commercial operation. They get paid well enough. And I thought to myself, out of all the national teams that represent this great country of ours, would the Australian cricket team be the least endearing one to the sporting public here in Australia? Because when you look at it, the Australians support the Matildas, the Socceroos, the Boomers. Of course, they've got the Kangaroos currently in the Rugby League, the Wallabies, the Diamonds. I'm just wondering where the Australian cricket team sit in all this. We had Sandpaper Gate and, of course, Faf Duplessis has released a book and that's now got a, a few headlines again suggesting that the South Africans knew well before the incident in Cape Town that something wasn't right. And they couldn't believe the reverse swing of Mitchell Stark, particularly early in that test series. And we've had the issues, of course, with Dave Warner and Steve Smith and the way he's behaved at times. I'm just wondering, out of all the national teams, which is the national team that is least connected to the Australian sporting public? And I've got a feeling it might be there, our cricket team, who, of course, are on show here at Optus Stadium tomorrow night. I'd love to get your thoughts on that. 0487 736 736. Some people say to me, you know, some of the Australian cricket players think their you-know-what doesn't stink or they're too big for their boots. Uh, I'd love to get your thoughts on that as well in the time remaining. Well, the other story today, certainly Australian football's worst kept secret, that Ross Lyon says he's up for the fight as he is officially unveiled as St Kilda's new head coach. Here's his opening statement. Thanks, Andrew. Um, it's a privilege to be back as senior coach at the St Kilda Football Club. Uh, once this opportunity started to open up, I reflected on the special bonds and friendships I have with past players and staff that I've maintained since 2007 and my departure. I presented to the board and I got very emotional. When I left, I, I dropped an iron curtain and when I, when I spoke about that moment and, and how I felt about St Kilda, I, I did get very, very emotional and it, it sort of unleashed a lot of memories. There was a lot of highs and a lot of lows, but it sort of really validated how I felt about the club, if there was any doubt. Um, we all know, and I look around the room, it, it's quite daunting, but AFL coaching is incredibly challenging. It takes you to places sometimes men or women shouldn't go, but I'm really up for the fight. I feel like I'm ready to take the emotional risk to give everything without any guarantee. And that guarantees you your best chance. And that's exactly the message to my players. So I certainly needed to be in that headspace, which then drives your work ethic and your desire and your willpower to, to deliver and work hard. Um, this has been no certainty. It's been a challenging week for both parties. Um, it's been challenging in the right way. We've gone through philosophies, vision for the club, um, 
what you see the important pillars are. And at the end of it, I come out with really strong trust with Andrew and Simon and, and Jeff Walsh, in particular, his appointment was critical in me actually getting across the line because that then delivers the four pillars that you need for success, which is a strong president, CEO, experienced football GM in Jeff Walsh, which is that. And, and I think I'm clearly the last piece in that. Um, so I, I'm happy to take questions, but that's in a nutshell. I tell you what, what he's got very good at after being a couple of years in the media, he's got the gift of the gab. I tell you what, he knows what to say. He, uh, he presents very well. And one thing he has learned from his time being on the Nine Network and, of course, on the FM footy station in Melbourne, uh, he's developed, I think, a lot more confidence in the way he presents himself and the way he uh, says things. And that was, to be fair, quite impressive in the way he put it all together. But the big question for Ross Lyon was, it was only a little while ago that he seemed to be quite happy with where his life was. Wasn't that interested in getting back into AFL coaching. Heavily involved with real estate, which is certainly guaranteeing him a very good uh, earn. He's also, as we know, was getting a, a good quid out of the media. So why the change of heart to go back to coaching? That's a really good question. And, and look, I hate to use the name, but I'm going to use it because he's got the most credential in the AFL, which is Lee Matthews. He rang me during the week, out of the blue, unsolicited, and he just, how are you? And he understands it. And I said, you know, shared a little bit. And he said, you don't wake up one day and think, I want to coach AFL football. Because when you've been through it, you know the highs and you know the lows, you know the challenges, you know the hot seat you're in and you know the expectation. You actually need to be taking along a journey with the people that want to employ you and convince you that all the pillars are there so then you'll take that emotional risk. And, and that's really what happened with me, to be truthful. There you go. This thing, there's one word that he's used twice. Have you identified it? Pillars. The pillars are there for Ross Lyon. He's happy with the pillars, the four pillars, and he's going to go ahead and coach St Kilda in 2023. And, hey, we wish him the best of luck. We need a, a vibrant and successful St Kilda, and uh, maybe Ross Lyon is the man that will deliver it to them. Just again, updating the cricket, buy three and get one free on selected Kumo passenger car and SUV tyres at Tyre Power. There was one game completed earlier today. Bangladesh won by nine runs over the Netherlands. Uh, that was played at Bloodstone Arena. It was fine at that point. Uh, Bangladesh made eight for 144 and the Netherlands uh, were dismissed for 135. But then the rain has come in. And the second match uh, in the Super 12 for today between Zimbabwe and South Africa has yet to commence. Not a ball has been bowled. And there are some fears that maybe this match could be abandoned. Of course, tomorrow it continues the Super 12 in the ICC T20 World Cup. It is Australia taking on Sri Lanka here at Optus Stadium. Gets underway at 7 o'clock. Should be a beauty. Just before I go... Uh, let's look at a bit of Formula One. Daniel Ricciardo had a shocker last night. Struggled at the back of the field all race long and finished 16th, beating only Nicholas Latifi out of the drivers who completed the race. Max Verstappen, by the way, did it again, overcoming a nightmare pit stop to win the United States Grand Prix. That's been the show. Hope you've enjoyed it. We've got more coming up tomorrow night. I'm chasing, actually a legendary sports broadcaster to profile his life. 
lives overseas, comes out of the UK. I'll tell you when we've got him because I'm, I'm working on it right now. It'll be a real treat for the drive with Peter Vlahos listeners. That's coming up hopefully by the end of the week. Thanks, Lee. Thanks very much, Jimmy. That's been the show. We'll be back again from five tomorrow right here on SENWA.